Okay, hello and welcome to Nothing But Space, a weekly podcast where we talk about everything related to our universe, including the Milky Way, black holes, and other observable and non-observable phenomena. I'm your host, Francesca Fernandez, and I will be taking you through what I hope to be a transformative journey. So, I'm very excited for this episode. It's our very first space episode, and if you remember last episode, I did a little introduction, talked about how I got into space, what I hope to do with this podcast, and now we're diving in. So, for this very first space episode, I thought that there would be nothing better to talk about than, you know, kind of like the very phenomena that mystifies many people, and that is black holes. So if you remember last episode, I was saying I wanted to discuss like the five types of black holes, uh, but then I realized, you know, I thought condensing an episode about black holes and like the different types of black holes, I thought that would be like way too much brain overload. So instead, I thought I would do like a two-part series. So today, we're going to do like a very thorough, and I mean a very thorough overview of black holes. And then next episode, we would dive a little bit more into depth. So just to give you like a warning, like red flashing lights, but not to scare you away, this episode is going to have like a lot of information. It's going to be packed with information. And I've tried to simplify it as much as I can, because a lot of this is like, if you search it online, you won't really understand what's going on. Because a lot of the articles I was reading, they're like, very like they cater towards people who already have like a pretty strong background in mathematics and physics so i've just tried to simplify this for the layperson as much as i could and if you're up for it i promise this episode is going to be very 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 intriguing so let's get started so first like a brief overview of black holes essentially a black hole is kind of like a region in space where the gravity is so strong that nothing can escape So I'm not just talking about matter, things like light, electromagnetic radiation, those also cannot escape. And black holes form when a high mass star goes supernova or when its spinning core kind of implodes and collapses down to a black hole. So what that means is that you'll have a star, not the sun, but a star, and it'll reach the end of its life and collapse in upon itself. And it'll also explode outwards. So part of the star has like collapsed in upon itself and that part is the part that becomes the black hole and the other part is like blasted into space. And something that's kind of cool about black holes is like this is like the type of really cool stuff that you just read in science fiction where it seems almost like fake, but it's real. So the question here is like, okay, well, how do we have such a region that has such strong gravity? And so if we talk, let's I'll give you a little like physics aside. Gravitational force is kind of determined by mg, or mass times the gravitational constant. So obviously the constant is constant, and so as mass increases, the gravitational force must be increasing. So what does this mean for black holes that have a very strong gravitational pull? Well, they have a ton of matter in this like tiny little space. And I don't mean tiny as like an absolute term. I mean tiny as like relative to the amount of matter that occupies the space. So I don't mean tiny as like, oh, a black hole is like the size of a molecule or it's this really, really tiny thing, like, I don't know, the size of your pen. I mean tiny as like the amount of matter that's packed into this black hole. For that amount of matter, the size of the black hole is really small. And most of the black hole's matter is coming from the previous star before the star died and became a black hole. So I'm just going to give you an analogy to kind of simplify things. So if you've ever watched one of those, like, I don't know, like a movie, or if you've ever been to like a magician show, you know, those magic bags that magicians have. So it's this like tiny little clutch. Okay. And they keep reaching into it and they keep pulling like object after object out. So they have this like tiny little bag 
and they'll reach into the clutch or the bag and they'll pull out a hat. They'll reach into it again and they'll pull out a book. And they're just pulling out all these large objects. You know, like sometimes in movies, you'll have a magician reach into this tiny little bag and they'll pull out like a house or something ridiculous. OK, um, so that's what a black hole is like. It's so small for the amount of like matter that's condensed into it. And because black holes have such strong gravitational fields, time slows down around them. So I'm going to give you an example from Interstellar. If you'll remember, when they were traveling around some of the planets, the gravity around it was so strong that I think one hour on that planet was seven years on Earth. So around a black hole, the gravitational field is so strong that the time slows down. So that's really cool. So the other thing about black holes is that they aren't uniform. At the center of a black hole is what we call its singularity. And that is basically like an infinitely small area, a one-dimensional ring, where all the matter in a black hole is compressed down. And the singularity is where the black hole's strong gravitational pull comes from. And if you think about it, that should make sense, because if all the matter is compressed down there, well, matter, with matter, we have gravity. And so if the matter is there, then the gravity should be coming from there. Now, some physicists are going to refer to the singularity as like a single point. And that was kind of how it was originally thought of. Physicists thought of it as like a point mass. But when we were equating this singularity to a point mass, what we weren't accounting for was angular momentum, okay? Big physics term, let me tell you about it. So angular momentum is the rotational inertia of an object times its angular velocity. And so I'm just gonna simplify things. I'm not gonna give you like the specific definition. A black hole most commonly forms when a massive star reaches the end of its life and explodes. And I hope you know that stars spin because they are rotating through 360 degrees. And so because stars spin, their angular velocity or how fast an object is rotating with respect to an angle, that is changing. So once a star dies, its angular momentum changes, okay? And so if we equate a black hole's singularity to a point mass, we have not conserved the star's angular momentum. That conserves the star's mass, but just as you know, mass is conserved, energy is conserved, angular momentum is also conserved. So now we have this thing called Kerr's theory, which basically proposes that a black hole singularity is not a point mass, it's a one-dimensional ring. And the radius of the ring is determined by the mass and angular momentum of the black hole. And so saying that conserves angular momentum and that basically follows the laws of physics. So now I'm just gonna give you like a visual of a black hole and its singularity. So picture a funnel, okay, or picture like an ice cream cone. And as you move your hand down the funnel, assuming you hold it like upwards, like you're holding an ice cream cone, it gets skinnier and skinnier. And then at the very end of an ice cream cone, right, you have this like tiny little point mass. So I'm gonna call it like the entrance of a black hole. The entrance of a black hole is like that wide circular opening at the top. And then the singularity of the black hole is that like tiny, tiny point at the bottom, okay? So according to Einstein's math, as you pass through the singularity where all the matter of the black hole is compressed down, you would enter a wormhole. And if you don't know, a wormhole would just allow you to kind of transcend the traditional limits of time and it would allow you to like travel instantaneously through time so like something you would see in like a science fiction movie okay so once you would enter this wormhole then you would come out of a white hole and that is basically the theoretical opposite of a black hole so in a white hole nothing can enter and everything comes out at the speed of light so it's basically the opposite okay so instead of having an upright ice cream cone by coming out at the end, you would have an upside down ice cream cone, where basically you're coming out through the singularity and leaving the white hole at the speed of light. And that, this whole thing, that is what would happen as, as you pass through the singularity of a black hole. 
So just to recap, according to Einstein's math, as you pass through a black hole singularity, right, that point at the end of the ice cream cone where all the matter is compressed down. As you pass through that, you would enter through a wormhole, which allows you to transcend the traditional limits of time and travel instantaneously throughout time. Once you enter the wormhole, you'd come out of a white hole, which is the opposite of a black hole. Basically, nothing can enter, matter comes out at the speed of light. So you'd come out of a white hole. Basically, by going through the singularity, if you were able to do that, you'd go through this whole like journey. Super cool. Okay, I know that's a lot. So now we've talked about kind of like the singularity, the black hole's entrance. Let's talk about what's in between, okay? So first we have what we call the event horizon. And this is often referred to as the black hole's surface because the event horizon kind of like acts as a boundary. Now I feel like the word surface is confusing because when you say like the event horizon is the black hole's surface, you kind of imagine it to be the entrance of the black hole. But the black hole's like, official like kind of entrance and event horizon. These are two separate things. So going back to my ice cream cone analogy, if you have the entrance at the top of the ice cream cone, right, that's like the circular opening. If you go about a quarter of the way down, down the ice cream cone, that is the event horizon. So what exactly is the event horizon? Well, let's imagine the entrance to a jail cell, okay? If we parallel this, outside the jail cell is like regular space, and inside the jail cell where the criminals would be, that is the confining black hole. What separates the criminals from the people who are not prisoners or people who are just normal people who haven't committed a crime? Well, what's separating the two are prison bars, okay? And that's kind of what the event horizon acts as. So at this boundary or, you know, where the event horizon is, where the prison bars are, the velocity needed to escape a black hole exceeds the speed of light. And the speed of light is currently like the limit of our cosmos. Nothing can travel faster than that, right? So beyond the event horizon, we can't see anything taking place since we see using light and the speed of light is not great enough to escape the black hole and reach our eyes. So once you pass the event horizon, everything is brought towards the center of the black hole or the singularity. And the event horizon, it kind of has, it's called the event horizon because if you think about it, this boundary, it dictates a literal horizon of events. Events on one side cannot be seen or cannot be known on the other because the light that carries this information that would let us like, quote unquote, see these events, that light is unable to return from the black hole's boundary. So just kind of like to summarize, event horizon is acting as prison bars, okay? So where the normal people are, not the prisoners, this is like regular space. And the confining black hole where you cannot escape is like where the prisoners are. And what's separating them is the event horizon or prison bars. Okay? Okay. So within the event horizon, in black holes that are electrically charged and do not rotate, we have what we call the Cauchy horizon. And this horizon is also acting as a boundary, but a different one. So the event horizon kind of marked the boundary of where you can and cannot return from a black hole, right? Once you pass the event horizon, you have to be traveling faster than the speed of light to leave the black hole. And nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, so you can't leave the black hole. Well, the Cauchy horizon marks the barrier between the deterministic and non-deterministic universe. And I know that sounds like really confusing. You're probably like, what? What, is, what does that mean? And let me explain. So a deterministic universe is basically a universe where past actions directly affect the future. So to give you an example, let's say I have math homework due tomorrow and I decide not to do it, okay? I'm feeling lazy, I have senioritis, I don't wanna do it. So 
come tomorrow, my math teacher, he's going to realize I didn't do my homework and he's going to give me a zero, right? And so this zero that I received on my math homework because I didn't do it, that's a direct consequence of my past action of not doing my math homework. And that is what would occur in a deterministic universe. Past actions directly affect the future. However, in a non-deterministic universe, past actions may not directly affect the future. The future is unpredictable and it's completely randomized. So no matter how much you know about the past or present, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Or you don't have any idea. So that's kind of what the Cauchy horizon is dividing. Once you pass the Cauchy horizon, the past no longer determines the future. And your past is kind of essentially obliterated since an infinite number of possible futures have been opened. And so the reason that physicists say this is because up until the Cauchy horizon, Einstein's equations work perfectly. But once we pass the Cauchy horizon, the universe is unknown and you start finding a lot of like flaws in Einstein's math. So even though I kind of like mentioned like passing through this Cauchy horizon, it's physically impossible. You can't pass through the Cauchy horizon because an observer or you, if you were passing, quote unquote, passing through it, you would be annihilated. And the reason that is, is because you would see all the energy in the black hole falling towards the Cauchy horizon, right? You would see like light, you would see gravitational waves, you would see electromagnetic radiation, and you would see it all falling in at the same time. And that's because, like I mentioned earlier, time passes so slowly near and in a black hole. So you would see all the energy the black hole sees over the universe's lifespan. You would see all of that energy hit the Cauchy horizon at the same time, at the exact same time. And seeing that energy hit the Cauchy horizon, that would annihilate you. It would blast you into oblivion. So just to clarify two things. One, remember that the Cauchy horizon that only exists with black holes that do not rotate and are electrically charged. And two, the Cauchy horizon, as we conceive it now, is actually just a theory. We don't know if it would exist the way I just described it. That's how some physicists at UC Berkeley are theorizing it. And in fact, it might not exist that way because our universe is expanding and the physics of that may conflict with the physics of um, this like Cauchy horizon theory. Okay, so just to summarize the Cauchy horizon, unlike the event horizon, the Cauchy horizon separates the deterministic and non-deterministic universe. So it's separating a universe where the past does dictate the future and a universe where the past does not dictate the future. Okay. I mean, just, just think about that. Isn't that so cool? It sounds like something like straight out of a science fiction novel. <laughs> okay, so we talked about the event horizon. We talked about the Cauchy horizon. Let's talk about one more phenomena before ending this episode. And that is the ergosphere. So we talked about like once you pass the event horizon, you can't escape because you have to be traveling faster than, than the speed of light to escape. And you cannot physically travel faster than that. And so the ergosphere is essentially a region outside the event horizon where you can technically still escape a black hole, but not without feeling its gravitational effects. So you can leave, but you're still going to feel the effects of the black hole. And so because, like, theoretically, you can leave the ergosphere, assuming that, you know, you already have a great enough initial velocity, the ergosphere ends up being a region in the black hole where you can extract matter and energy from the black hole. So you can get like the black hole to do work for you. So what that means is you can leave the black hole with more energy than you started because you would take some of the black hole's energy and that would like conserve energy. And so what this means for us and why it's kind of important and why it's kind of cool is that if 
we were somehow able to harness the energy from a black hole, we could use these rotating black holes. We could use them to dispose waste. We could use them to get electrical energy, etc. So it could, you know, we could basically manipulate black holes and use them for our own good. <laughs> okay, so that's the ergosphere. And that is basically everything I wanted to cover today. And I know that's a lot. So let's do a quick recap, okay? So first, black holes generally form when stars die. And so the stars will implode and collapse inwards upon themselves while also exploding outwards. The part that collapses inwards, that forms a black hole. Black holes are also regions where the gravitational pull is so, so strong that even light cannot escape. Okay, and so you have a singularity at the very, very like end of the black hole. So if we go back to the ice cream cone, um, the circular opening is kind of like the entrance to the black hole. And then at the very bottom, that point, that is the singularity. And that is an infinitely small area where all the black hole's matter is compressed down. Again, this is a one-dimensional ring, not a point mass. And that is just so we can account for the conservation of angular momentum, okay? Third, the event horizon, that is a boundary kind of between like where you can and cannot return from a black hole. So past the event horizon, you would have to be traveling faster than the speed of light to escape the black hole's gravitational effects and to be able to leave the black hole. And you know, that is not possible. So if we go back to our prison bar analogy, the event horizon kind of acts like prison bars. Once you're past the event horizon, you're in the prison. You can't escape, okay? Fourth, the Cauchy horizon. And that is a boundary in black holes that do not rotate and are electrically charged. Remember, the Cauchy horizon is not a horizon that exists in all black holes. It only is theorized in black holes that don't rotate and are electrically charged. And it marks the boundary between a universe where the past determines and dictates the future and a universe where the past does not determine the future. And once you pass the Cauchy horizon, the universe that you would be in if you somehow managed to not be annihilated would be a non-deterministic universe. Okay, and last, the ergosphere. And this is a region outside the event horizon where you can technically escape the black hole while also extracting energy and matter from it. So if we were able to use this for our own good, we would get a lot of cool things, okay? Okay. So that was everything for today's episode. We just went through like a major tour of black holes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And next week, we're going to be talking about the five different types of black holes and kind of like what makes each of them so unique. Okay, it's going to be a good episode. So don't forget to follow this podcast and share it with your friends. And I can't wait to learn more about black holes with you next week. Okay, okay, bye bye.